0: Now, I am pumped to introduce our next speaker. Sister Miriam james Hydland is a former Division I athlete who had a radical conversion and joined the Society of Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity, or SOLT, in 1998. Her story has been featured on EWTN's The Journey Home, produced by my co-host, Matt Swaim. Uh, she's been on. She's been at the Seek Conference, Steubenville conferences, USCCB convocation, and other outlets. She holds a master's degree in theology from the Augustine Institute and speaks extensively on the topics of conversion, authentic love, forgiveness, healing, and sports. Sister Miriam's podcast, "Abiding Together," can be found on iTunes, and her book, "Loved as I Am," can be found on Amazon. And you can find her on Twitter at one groovy nun. One grooving nun. She uh, she said we were going to do a human pyramid at some point. Yeah, so we'll see we'll see what happens here. Please welcome Sister Miriam James.
1: Thank, thank you. Good afternoon, ladies. How are we? Oh, can I just tell you right now that I have the best seat in the house right now? I have the best seat in the house right now because I can see all your beautiful faces, okay? And so let me just say before, I'm just going to be Captain Obvious here, and it is after lunch, and I know you've been sitting for a long time, so I'm going to have you stand in a second. But just before I do that, I just want to say to you that I have been praying for you for a very long time. And as I was praying for you, I was asking the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to tell your brides, your daughters, because you love them? And I must tell you that for the last few days, I have been actually pierced, thinking of that there are 3,500 of us in this room. And my heart has been pierced for every single one of you. And as I sat in the back this morning before Mass began and just watched you come in, just looking at your beauty and looking at how unique you are, there are 3,500 people here with 3,500 different hearts and 3,500 different stories and God is found in every single one of you. And that is a beautiful thing. That is a beautiful thing. So let, let me just say this to you, whether you came today because you've been waiting for a whole year to come, or you came because your mom voluntold you to come, okay? Um, I just want to say that you're most welcome. You are most welcome. And the beautiful thing is that I get to speak in the very last slot right before the Lord comes, so I'm just an opening act for the Lord. That's really all that's happening right now, which is the best place to be. Um, but my heart is for you. And so what I'm going to talk about, we're going to spend some time together this afternoon, I'm going to talk about your heart. Okay? But what I'm going to have you do first and foremost, because we're Catholic, is I'm going to have you stand up, right? And I'm just going to have you stand up. I'm going to be your mom for a second, so I'm going to have you stand up straight, shoulders back, tummy in. If you're like this, you're doing it wrong. Okay, so stand up straight. I'm just going to have you take a deep breath all the way in and all the way out. Okay. Take another deep breath all the way in and all the way out. And just one more, my dear sisters, one deep breath all the way in and all the way out. And I'm just going to invite you to close your eyes just for a second. And you've heard a lot of beautiful things today. And I just want to give you a chance in silence just to offer to the Lord whatever's on your heart right now. Because if it matters to you, it matters to him. Whatever it is, my dear sisters, let's just offer our hearts to the Lord and ask for openness. And then I'll make a formal prayer and we'll be on our way. So let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the graces that you are pouring out upon each one of us. And Father, right now, I ask for a profound blessing on every single daughter here. I pray for our hearts, Lord. I pray for an openness to be fathered by you, the good Father. And I just pray for any healing in our hearts that needs to be healed from our fathers. Lord, I pray that you would melt our hearts, open our hearts, and reveal to us who we truly are. And Jesus, you are the lover of our souls. You are the bridegroom of our souls. You are the man who pursues us and who sees us and who understands us. And I pray that we would just allow you a little bit more close today to the core of our hearts. Holy Spirit, I ask right now that you would come as the comforter, as a spirit of truth, that you would open our hearts, melt our hearts. And we just ask you, Mother Mary, our mama, you who are all beautiful, Mother, all beautiful. I pray that you would teach us what it means to be women, what it means to be mothers, that you would heal the wounds in our hearts with our own mamas, and that you would bless us, protect us, Mother, during this time and intercede for us as we pray as a family. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Victory, pray for us in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Give two people a high five and have a seat. All right? There you go. Okay. Okay. <laughs> So I wanted to just share a little story with you that I've been sharing with audiences probably for the last year and I have a wonderful friends, two wonderful friends that are married and they're my age and they have eight children and when I I lived with them a few years ago, I lived with them for about nine months and I was being mentored by their healing ministry and at that time, my friend had six children and now she has eight and I used to go over to her house and I would clean for her and cook for her when I could and I'm like, I, I said to myself at that point, I will never say I never have any time ever again, like ever, that will never happen. She's amazing and so now they have eight children, but their number seven, their daughter number seven is five years old, and she's six now, but she was five years old when this happened, and let me tell you, that little girl is everything I want to be when I grow up. Can I just tell you that right now? She is vibrant, and she's beautiful, and she lives in four dimensions, and I absolutely love her. My friend about a year ago told me this story, and she came up to me, and she's like, sister, you wouldn't know this because your husband's perfect, but she said, you know, um, yeah, She said, sometimes, sometimes when you've been married for a while, they've been married like 20 years. Their oldest daughter is 18 and their youngest son is three. She's like, when you're married for, you know, for a few years, sometimes there's things that you want to say to your spouse that really aren't very helpful, like at all, you know? So she said a year ago, they wanted to build a new play structure in their backyard for the kids because they still had a lot of kids that played on the play structure. And they had an old kind of dilapidated one that they affectionately called the death trap. So they were going to tear that down and her husband was going to construct a new one. So my friend was thinking, it's great, we'll go to Ikea, we'll get like a prefab one, somebody will come and construct it, all good. She said it wasn't until the Home Depot, she looked out the window one day, and the Home Depot lumber truck is coming up their yard, okay, and backs into the backyard, and her husband pulls out like this scroll of his three-story plan to build a play structure for his kids. And he's a wonderful man, but she was like, oh man, like, here we go, <laughs> right? So he, he actually conscripted the two oldest teenage sons to help, which you can imagine how excited they were to lose their whole Christmas break helping their dad build a play structure for their little siblings, and so they're out in the backyard, and they are building this play structure, and my friend said, I love my husband very much, he's wonderful, but she's like, that's fine, day one, day two, day three, day four, day five goes by, haven't seen my husband now, day six goes by, and she hasn't seen him in six days, okay, and she's really grateful, but she's getting just a little irritated, all right, it is the end of day six, and it is dinner time, and she's called her husband in for dinner three times already, but he's still outside, The kids are throwing bread at each other at the dinner table and complete and total chaos is about to break out in their house. So my friend said, I took my my little girl with me and we went out to the backyard to call my husband in one last time. Now her husband knows he's been outside for six days and he knows he's been called in for dinner three times and she's like, I can tell you exactly how this interaction is going to go because we've had it so many times before. So she's like, we go outside and we we go into the backyard and I open the, the glass door to the backyard and as I go out, I can see my husband's face from the floodlight, and I can tell he's anxious, like he, he knows what's happening, and he's trying to finish it, and he's trying to do a good thing, and she's like, I can just feel the tension, and as they go into the backyard and open the, 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 the door and go outside, her husband turns around to see who it is, and as he does that, he's on the third floor of the play structure, he accidentally kicks a bucket of a hundred screws off the top of the play structure onto the ground. And my friend said, well, then I really had several things I'd like to say to him <laughs> at that moment, none of which, none of which would have been helpful at all. She said, before I could say a thing, before I could say a thing, my little girl let go of my hand and she ran toward her daddy and she got right up to the base of the play structure and she looked at the very top where her dad went. She's like, oh, dad. I'm so sorry that happened. We're so excited that you're building this play structure first. We can't wait to play on it. Like, we're so excited. We possibly cannot even wait. Mommy and I will help you pick up every screw right now. (laughs) (laughs) My friend's like, all right, here we go. So she got her iPhone out, and her husband climbed down the play structure, and the three of them knelt in the backyard in the cold December weather. And they picked up 100 screws, and she said, let me tell you this, Sister. When my, daughter, when my daughter began to speak over her daddy, as soon as she began to sing over him, his whole countenance changed. And By the time he got to the ground that night, his heart had been transformed. And she said, let me tell you that that night, not one harsh word, not one harsh word was spoken because a little girl spoke over the heart of her daddy. Let me ask you this do you remember when you were five? Because you were really lovely. (laughs) And can I just say this to you? That you still are. You still are. You know, and I think in our journey, you know, we call it adulting. (laughs) And we kind of grow up and we leave childhood behind and we had these memories. It's very interesting that your brain is like, the way that the brain processes memories, that everything you've ever experienced is stored in your brain. And isn't it interesting that you can only recall to mind so like several hundred or several thousand? Yet everything's inside. And the restoration of the human heart where Jesus comes to encounter us is in the depths of these areas of our life. And so really what I want to do with you this afternoon is how I want to journey with you is I want to talk about the beauty of the feminine heart, especially who we are in society today. I want to talk about the beauty of the feminine heart. I want to talk about the brokenness of the feminine heart. And I want to talk about the restoration of the feminine heart. And it's very beautiful just watching you and just seeing, I got to meet so many of you at lunch today, and just watching you waiting in line in the bathroom like we all waited in line for the bathroom today. Just noticing just how different everybody is. Everybody's very different. And it's beautiful because in the beginning, we know that from the story of Genesis, that in the beginning, God begins to create. And He separates the light from the dark, and He creates the, the moon and the stars, and the land and the sea, and the animals and the trees. And at the very creation is created in us ascending order. And at the very top of creation is what? Adam and Eve. And he makes them male and female. And after he finishes all of creation, you know this very well from your CCD class or from teaching it to your kids yourself, at the end of every day, God said it was good. But at the end, as creation is consummated and is finished and he creates Adam and Eve, the crowning glory of creation, he says what, behold, it is very good. Very good. Which is why I can stand here before you today and tell you in all truth that you are very, very good. Very good. And you might be in your mind thinking to yourself, sister, you have no idea. You have no idea what's happened to me, what happened to me at five years old. You have no idea where I am right now in my life. You have no idea what's happening. And you're right, I don't know. But I do know the one who does. And he comes in our journey, my dear sisters. He comes to reveal who he is. And he comes to one of the ways that God reveals who who he is is through you and I as women that male and female, if you've ever studied John Paul II's The Theology of the Body, it's a study of God in our bodies, that you and me and body and soul reveal who God is to the world. And there's a particular power and efficacy and a gloriousness that's revealed through the heart and the soul of a woman, because she's so lovely. And you know, maybe you didn't go through this, but I ran a daycare for many, many years, and many of our girls would go through a princess dress-up phase, you know? And at our daycare, we had the best dress up. Can I just tell you that? So we had like sparkly shoes and we had wigs and all these things like that. And the girls would inevitably dress up and across the hallway was the bathroom and in the foyer to the bathroom was this huge window or this huge mirror. And the girls would always go and they would get dressed up and they would stand by and you could just watch them like twirling around. Have you seen little girls like lost in a dream? They're like, oh my gosh, I'm Elsa and it's so awesome, you know? And And they were like, okay, you're the dog. You be the snowman, you be Olaf. Okay, so like whatever that is, you know? And inevitably they would come back into the room and they would find one of us. And in their seven year old self, they would come up just open hearted and so beautiful. And they would come up to us and they say, Sister, do I look beautiful? Am I pretty? I said, Yeah, baby. <laughs> You're so lovely. You look like a princess. You're so lovely. And you could see their whole desire, their whole countenance just opened. And that desire, my dear sisters, that desire to be beheld, the desire to be beautiful, the desire to be found desirable, to have a relationship with, that goes all the way back to the garden. Because what happens when God creates Adam and he gives Adam Eve, what does Adam say? He finally sees her. He says, this one at last, he beholds her. This one at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She's mine. We belong together. I am yours. That's what a covenant says. I am yours and you are mine forever. Forever. Did you know that word, helpmate? She's not like a sidekick to Adam. <laughs> and she's not like the help that you get when you make chocolate chip cookies with your little kids. That's not the kind of helper that we're talking about. That word, helpmate, is only ever used. It's used with Eve, when God gives Eve to Adam. It is only ever used anywhere else in the Old Testament when God himself comes to the help of Israel. She is a lifesaver. She is the one who comes alongside Adam what, to remind him of who he is as well. And it's written in who we are. And just the way our bodies are made, if we could just talk for a second about the heart and the soul of a woman, because our bodies reveal our souls. It's why it said, that's why I said Mary conceived Jesus first in her heart and then she conceived him in her body. Which is why both spiritual maternity and physical maternity, they go hand in hand, they're beautiful because every woman is made to nurture and to bless and to give life. And you see it written in our bodies, do you not? Just the way our bodies are made, our bodies are soft and they're round, <laughs> we have an extra layer of fat and amen to that, you know? Can I just tell you, let, me just, let me just tell you this, like, I, this is, like, total, like, hashtag nun confessions, okay, so if you listen to our podcast, Michelle, Michelle and I do this morning workout, and this, the, the morning workout's like an online workout, and so this morning workout is led by a, a woman who's probably, like, 35 years old, and the girl has no body fat. I'm like, what is happening right now? This girl has no body fat at all, and she's got, like, she's ripped, she's got, like, a 36-pack, forget about, like, a six-pack, she's got, like, a 36-pack here, and I was looking at this, the, the instructor, and, of course, because this is her life, like, this is what she does for a living, and I texted Michelle, I was like, like, you know, this really isn't fair. I'm like, she's leading our class and the girl's got like no body fat. I mean, that's not even normal. Is that even normal? And I said, imagine, you know, she gives her whole life to working out. I'm like, you and I, we're we're pretty holy. Like we pray a lot. And Michelle texted back. She's like, our souls have six packs. I'm like, oh yeah, they do. Yeah. You know, right. But it's so, it is so beautiful because even the way that God made women, because the, the world is just so cheap because the world tells you and I that we have to look a certain way to be beautiful. And if you could just do me a huge favor and every introvert in this room is about to hate my guts, but do me a huge favor. Could you just look into the eyes of the woman sitting right next to you to your right into your left, okay? And just tell her you are fearfully and wonderfully made, Right? And if you notice how different, you notice how different she is from you. And yes, and amen. And we as women, we come in different shapes. We come in different sizes. We come in different body types. And that's so absolutely beautiful. It is so beautiful. Even the way our arms are made, our arms are more round than men's. If you study even the skeletal structure of women, we usually smell better. That's usually also what's happening, you know? We do. And we're meant to what? Bring people into us. We're meant to bring people into us because the feminine genius of a woman in her heart is to see another person and to behold them and to attend to them. It is her attentiveness to the person. This is why you and I, right now in this room, if there was a little, little baby, a little, say, a toddler running around crying, every single one of us would be like, what, well, where's your mama? Like, what's wrong, baby? Where's your mama? Where's your mama? You know? It's something within us where we want to attend to and care for another. And what we do in our bodies and our souls is we receive another, we nurture them, we make things better, and then we send them out on their way, right? That's written within us. Dr. Ellis von Hildebrand in her book on the privilege of being a woman, she talks about the receptivity of a woman because we're receptive. It's the way our bodies are made. It's the way our hearts are made. She said, far from being an, a passive receptivity in your life and my life, she's like, if we could just look for one second at the marital act between a husband and a wife. That in the marital act, the woman is not passively receptive. She's so receptive that if it's in God's will, she receives a microscopic seed from her husband and she gives back an immortal soul. What? You know? The reality of, of where of who we are that in the we have a we have a womb a womb that can contain another life a womb that stretches heart a breast that nurture even our menstrual cycles our monthly cycles that what it's a revelation of what that love costs that love bleeds that love is painful and that we as women have the privilege of entering into the deepest joys and the deepest sufferings of people's lives and do we not know this I think all of us in this room, maybe most of us, have remember the movie Steel Magnolias? Do you guys remember that when Julie Roberts was 12, I think, when that was made? <laughs> there is such an epic part of the end of that movie where, where uh, um, Julie Roberts and her character has passed away, and Sally Fields, her mother, after the, after, the sem- or after the funeral, they're all in the cemetery, Dolly Parton, I mean, these, these matriarchs of acting, even. And Sally Field in her, her character, is struggling over the death of her daughter. And she finally tells her girlfriends, her closest friends, what happened when her daughter died. And she says, my oh, my husband couldn't even be there. He had to leave. But I sat there with her. I sat there with her and I held her hand. And at that moment, I was privileged to know that I was there at the moment God gave her and put her in my womb. And I was there when she came into life. And I was privileged at the moment that I was there when she left. That's, you see that in the beauty of Our Lady, in the heart of who she is that we as women, we're attentive, we're kind, we're, we have a deep intuition. Edith Stein talks about a perfect knowledge that you and I have to be able to perceive the whole situation and to know things about it. And it goes beyond just mere intellectual kind of supposition. But it's a way that you and I just deduce certain things. Like, you, like when you know things, you don't know how you know, but you just know. What happens, you go out to movies with your girlfriends and you come home and your husband's like, how was the movie? And you're like, ah, it was good, but something's wrong with Karen. And he's like, how do you know? You're like, oh, I know. Like, I I know her. I know her. And we went to her favorite restaurant, and she got her favorite meal, and she pushed her food around all night long. But I know her. And she's like, I asked her how she's doing. She's like, good, busy, good, busy. And you're like, I know her. So what are you going to do? hope you're not going to Instagram her. You're not going to Facebook her. You're going to go to Starbucks, get her favorite $7 drink, right? And you're going to show up to her house, and you're going to knock on the door, and you're going to ask her how she is. And she's going to tell you, good business. And you're like, no, no, we're not doing that. No. How are you? Because women, we have the ability to receive another. It is said that women, when women make a house a home, right, we make the world more humane. And it is a glorious and beautiful thing to be a woman. For we remind the earth, we remind the world who we are called to be, the deep dignity and the preciousness of the human person. And that, my dear sisters, is written in the heart and soul of every single woman, whether she physically bears a child or not. It's written in her soul. And I think you and I, though, in our journey, we know these certain things, or we, we, can, we can sometimes aspire to them, or we see them in our hearts. But do we not also in our journey know a different story? And if you're a Father Jacques Philippe fan, in one of his books, he talks about the Beatitudes, and he has a really beautiful quote that I want to kind of use as kind of a backdrop to this. He says this, He says, only intimate, this is gorgeous, he says, only intimate contact with the heart of Jesus can heal the hardness of the human heart. Only the intimate contact with the heart of Jesus can heal the hardness of a human heart. Because I think we could all agree, if we have any area of of openness and self-awareness, we could all agree that there is much beauty within us. But is there not also much sorrow? And I just had to deeply reverence Father speaking about the deep genocide and what happens in the human heart, because we might not ever God God bless us all. We might never ever know something that horrific, but do we not know the brokenness in our own story, in our own families, in relationships, in memories that we have? There's there's a certain memory that I often share with audiences where my mom and I, my mom and I had had a, had a huge healing in our relationship. And my mom is one of my favorite people ever. I love my mom so much. And um, she's wonderful. She's 77 years old. She lives on three acres. She's got goats and chickens. And that woman kicks butt. Can I just tell you that? Like she's always, she brings communion to the shut-in every Sunday and things like that. And at my mom's eulogy, I will, whenever she passes away, I will tell this story that a couple years ago at, during Holy Week, my mom was like probably 74 at that time. Well, this is my mother. This is, this is my Agnes Heidland right here. She calls me on the phone. And my mom, like I said, she's President Legion of Mary. And she, anyway, so she calls me on the phone. It's like Wednesday of Holy Week. And she's like, honey. Something happened. I was like, what happened, Mom? She's like, both of my chainsaws broke this week. And I was like, what? She's like, yeah, my favorite chainsaw broke. And then my backup chainsaw broke. When was the last time your 74 year old mother called to tell you that both, not one, but both of her chainsaws broke? And I was like, Mom, maybe the Lord's telling you, like, you don't have to cut anything down during Holy Week. Like, save that for the octave, you know? I don't know. Like, just, it's okay, you know? But my mom and I have had a huge healing in our relationship. And I had this moment with my mom, you know, many years ago where my mom and I are both at the beach and I, I live, I'm live. i from the Washington state like the Pacific Northwest where we're all depressed we drink coffee more flannel so we're out there it's the end of August and um we were at, at the beach and it, sure enough it was the Oregon coast and it was 55 degrees and raining because it's Oregon and so we went to daily mass that day and we couldn't go for a walk on the beach because it had started to rain and I tell this story very, very often but we went upstairs to our condo I found a cute little condo that overlooked the beach and I opened up the window as soon as we got inside I just opened up the window and as soon as you could do that you could just hear the waves like crashing onto the shore and we were watching people walk you know those few brave souls that were walking, you know, kind of brave in the rain out there and you, you know when rain first moves and you can smell it and so we were both sitting there you know, watching the waves and smelling the rain and just enjoying this moment. And we each had this massive cup of coffee, which every Catholic knows is the eighth sacrament. So we're sitting there. And I've, and I've had this moment. I had this moment, and I know you've had it too, where you say to yourself, I wish time would stop right here. I wish it would stop. And I wish this beauty, I wish this intimacy, I wish this joy. I wish this moment would never end I wish it would never end and these moments Pope Benedict writes about how beauty pierces our soul and true beauty what happens it actually pierces our soul so deeply that it wounds us and it makes us long for eternity and every single one of you in this room if you're thinking of one of those moments that you've had where you say to yourself I wish time would stop right here it is God himself calling us home that as beautiful as this world is, the best of human love the best of human beauty, the best of everything on earth is only a foretaste. It is only a foretaste to what God has in store for us. Like that's what St. Paul says, I has not seen nor ears even heard, nor has it even dawned so much upon us what God has prepared for those who love him that he isn't holding out on us. And that he's calling you and I home, and it's written in our bodies and our souls, my dear sister, the etching of God's beauty, because a beautiful woman, first and foremost, is a revelation of who God is, and you are very beautiful. And that's what beauty does. Beauty heals So the beauty that God has given each and every single one of you, that's written in you, that nobody else can bequeath to you or take from you, it is a revelation of God himself, called to what? Not to bring people to ourselves, or not to make us vain. It's called to be a revelation of heaven itself, where everyone is found in the heart of God. This is our life. But I think, like I said before, I think we could all agree that life hasn't always been like that. Like his father Jacques Philippe said, it's only intimacy intimacy with God that can heal the hardness of our heart. And do we not have many moments, not that the moments that aren't, I wish this moment would never end. We have so many moments where we say to ourselves, I wish this moment would have never happened. Not unlike Frodo in the ring, right? If you're a Lord of the Rings, if you're a Tolkien fan, what happens? Frodo begins to carry the ring and he realizes that this ring is going to cost him his life. And he says to Gandalf, he says, I wish the ring had never come to me. I wish none of this had happened. And Gandalf very wisely replies to Frodo and he says, all, so do all who live to see such time. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. Because many times in our life, you and I have things happen to us and perhaps you've thought about them today, you went to confession about them today and we say to ourselves and we say to God, why did this happen to me? Why? Why did you allow this to happen to me? And I can't tell you, I won't tell you my whole story today because that's not the, the, the focus of this talk. But I think if you've ever heard my story, you know, I mean, I stand here before you today, a religious sister. I've been in my community over 21 years now, you know. And I've been married, I'm married to God and he's married to me. I get the way better end of the deal on that one. Can I just tell you that? Okay, so he proposed to me 20 years ago and I said yes to him. And it's just been a beautiful journey. It's been the hardest thing I've ever done. It's been the most beautiful thing that I've ever done because that's what love is, right? Love is always healing. It's always growing. And for myself, God is always stretching my heart so that I grow, that I give birth, that I receive, that I bless and that I encourage. And he's transforming me. And I came to this conference five years ago. I'm a different person, thank God, than I am today. And if I come back five years from now, I hope I can tell you the same thing. And not because I'm different, as I'm not the person God's creating me to be, that I'm more me than ever before because I also stand here before you today I'm 43 years old like I said I've been in religious life over 21 years I also stand here before you today a recovering addict so I'm a recovering alcoholic I started drinking at 12 on my 12th birthday I began a career in drinking which a response to deep sexual trauma deep sexual abuse a lot of brokenness which came from an older story than that of being conceived out of wedlock by high school students and I don't know this I don't, I've never seen my biological parents but I just have a deep intuition that at one point my mother thought of aborting me but she didn't and I'm here today. I'm here today on the stage before you because a scared 17-year-old girl said yes to life. And I was the child in her womb. And I was placed in a foster home for a few months, and then I was adopted. My parents were very wonderful, but we have to understand, like, there's these deep areas of brokenness in my life. And what I can tell you from stage now, what I can tell you, I, 25 years ago, I couldn't even admit to myself in a dark room by myself. I had years of massive promiscuity, years of massive addiction, massive brokenness. And I thought to myself, how could God love somebody like me? And I didn't understand. There were days that I didn't even like being a woman. And I've been really praying about that. I was like, Lord, what, what is that? What was that in my heart that was just so counterintuitive? Because if I were to sit here and I wouldn't have had the courage to even come to a conference like that, like this, but if I would have had to sit there, I would have been listening to myself saying, I don't believe you. Because my story tells me something different, I have a different narrative. But many times our areas of unbelief, what we see in ourselves, like the resistance to love, what that's covering is areas of deep pain. Areas of deep pain. And many times, my dear sisters, those are secrets that are never spoken. And one of my favorite sayings in 12-step meetings is this, we're only as sick as our secrets, right? We're only as sick as our secrets. And boy, I had a lot of them. And in our journey, what we do is because we're really good at women, we're, we're really good doing what we do. We're really, and we're really good looking good at doing it, you know, and then making it look like we're not even looking like we're good doing it, but we're doing it. That's what we do, you know? So we kind of show up to life and we don't tell anybody our story or we become, you know, all these areas instead of living in our receptivity and allowing God to come and heal us, we have all these fig leaves, not unlike Adam and Eve. And our fig leaves vary from person to person. But they they vary from anything from you know being tremendously gossipy to judgmental to self righteous to critical to demanding to being completely despondent or lustful or broken. I don't know what that is for you. We all have them. And it's what? It's our ways of coping with the deep pain inside. Saint Julian of Norwich said this. She said, When God sees our sin, he sees our pain. When God sees our sin, he sees our pain. And this woman came up to me some time ago, because I, I just hear a lot of stories. I hear stories from priests. I hear stories from sisters. I hear stories. I mean, I just, I, I've journeyed with so many people, and I hear so many stories. There's nothing I could ever hear that would shock me or embarrass me or like that. And this woman came up to me some time ago, and she said, sister, she's like, I've been married 20 years. And she's like, my husband and I have six kids, and I've been having an affair for two years. And my husband knows about it. And it was, and I just, I listened to her story and just, she's, you know, just kept saying, I don't know what to do about it. I don't know what to do about it. And then like in this moment of searing honesty, searing honesty, she looked at me and she said, can I just tell you that the guy that I'm having the affair with, he tells me that I'm beautiful. And he asks how my day was. And he's kind to me. And she's like, my husband hasn't done that in years. (laughs) And I just said, oh, okay, can we just stop right there? Can we just stop? Let's just stop with your heart right there. Because this decision that you're making is destroying you, and you know it will destroy you. You You know that you know exactly what needs to be done. You can't continue on this. You have to cut this off. But I said, let me just attend to this part of your heart that is just looking for kindness, just looking to be seen. And she was so ashamed. So can we just allow the Lord to speak right here? Cuz this is the de- this is what we're looking for. And we see it manifested just in the ways that we pretend or the ways that we hide or we say, "Well, I'm fine." Like I'm fine. How you doing? Fine. <laughs> but inside we're terrified. And it's in the nature of Jesus Christ who comes among us, my dear sisters, and the one who understands and the one who knows and the one who sees. And he sees the stories that you've never told anybody. And he sees the pain that you've never showed anybody. And like Father Calloway was talking about today, he's the one who holds the tears that you've cried. And many times even in our journey where maybe you walked into this room today, and all of us, you know, all of us in, this, you know, in our journey, we have areas where we don't feel like we fit in. And it's very easy for women to become very envious and jealous of one another. And the things that we do out of that envy and jealousy is just destructive If you saw recently, um, the last few years, um, Disney's been remaking a lot of movies, as you know, the old animated movies. They've remade them into live-action movies. And one of my favorites is Cinderella. And they did such a great job with it because they filled out the backstory of Cinderella and they filled out the backstory of the stepmother. And Kate Blanchett is the stepmother and she is so bad as good. Can I just tell you that right now, you know? And you see this woman who's so broken in her journey and so threatened by the beauty of Cinderella. But it's not just the beauty of Cinderella that threatens her, it's the purity of her heart. Because what at the beginning of that story does Cinderella's mother tell her as her mother lays dying? She looks at her daughter and she says, I'm going to give you two pieces of advice that will help you through anything. And it's actually, she gives her two virtues. And she says, my daughter, have courage and be kind. Have courage and be kind. And that will get you through anything in life. And Cinderella, indeed, takes that journey. She takes that virtue, and she chooses to live it out when she, when she encounters a stepmother who's absolutely wicked to her. And it's so great. It's very beautiful. What the producers did at that movie is, you know, we talk about green with envy. Could I, did you know there's an apple called Envy? I just can't buy it at the store. Like, I, I just can't buy it. I just, I, it's on sale. Sometimes I'm like, I just can't do it. Like, I, you know, right? But there's a saying, where she's green with envy. The, the producers of that movie dress the stepmother in various shades of green through the entire movie. Yeah. And there's a great moment at the end that you don't see in the animated version, but that you see in the live-action version, where what happens is Cinderella comes home and she realizes that the prince is looking for her, and she goes where she's hidden the glass slipper, and she realizes it's not there, and what happens? She looks up and her stepmother's holding it in her hand. And she's like, Oh, I'd love to hear this story. And Cinderella at that point finally just breaks. She just finally breaks and she's like, Why are you why are you doing this to me? I've done nothing but be kind to you. You are so cruel. How could you be so cruel? And in her moment of searing honesty, the stepmother looks at her and you can see this woman who tells a story where she also married for love and she was left as a widow and she's got these two daughters that she doesn't get along with and you can see she's tremendously broken. And there's a great saying in healing circles that says this, suffering that is not transformed is transmitted. Suffering that is not transformed is transmitted. So I can guarantee you this, my dear sisters, and I say it as much to myself as I say it to you, anything in your life where you've encountered suffering that has not been transformed by the love of God will be transmitted onto everybody else around you. And sometimes it will be transmitted vocally and overtly, and sometimes it will be transmitted covertly. Sometimes it's just transmitted because our hearts have been so broken, we're not free to love the people around us because of something somebody did 20 years ago. This is such an important journey, such an important journey. In that moment, in the moment what happens is stepmother looks at her and as Cinderella's like, why are, you, why are you doing this? I don't understand. Why are you doing this? And the stepmother looks at her and she's like, I'm doing this because you're good and you're kind and you're young and I'm, and you can just see her almost, just almost break. But instead of her heart breaking, she takes Cinderella's glass slipper and just shatters it onto the ground so she can never be found by the prince. I think in our, our journeys, we know some of that. We've been on the receiving end of that, and we've been on the giving end of that. To other women, to our spouses, to people we work with, to our children. To, I mean, we just, and we see that. You know, we have a choice, like Father was saying. You and I have a choice whether we're going to continue to pass that brokenness on or to choose another way. And I think you know very well the beauty of how Cinderella ends. If you don't know how that ends, have somebody ask somebody, because I don't know where you've been your whole life, okay? But, <laughs> all right. Because what? Why is that story familiar to us? If Bishop Robert Barron, when that movie first came out on uh, by Disney, he did a commentary on Cinderella. He's like, why is this story? Why is this story popular generation after generation after generation? Of what a girl wrapped in love and suffering happens, and then what happens? And her father dies, and then she's kind of given over to the slavery of a cruel master who belittles her, who renames her. Her name is Ella, and her stepmother and her stepsisters remain her Cinderella from the dirt. And what happens, a prince falls in love with her and not only does he fall in love with her, he will stop at nothing till he finds her and not just till he finds her, but till he weds her to bring her into his father's house, into his father's kingdom. He said, does that sound familiar to you? It's called Salvation History. (laughs) It's our story. And this is why you and I in our life will never be satisfied with mediocrity. This is why, let me just say this to you right now. If you're listening to me right now and you're saying to yourself, that sounds really wonderful, but my life is not gonna change. I'm going to go home today and my marriage is not going to change. I'm going to go home today and my kids are still haven't talked to me in 20 years. They're still not going to talk to me. So what does it matter? And I tell you this, that it does matter. And that is not the deepest desire of our human heart. Our deepest desire of our human heart is to be consumed by love forever. And love never fails. Never fails. And especially, and in this moment of history, my dear sisters, why is Satan working so hard to thwart women? that we are at war with our own bodies. We're at war with the children in our womb. We're at war with one another. It's like this culture of outrage. Why? Because he knows a woman who knows who she is, who walks in the truth of who she is and allows Jesus Christ to come into every single area of her brokenness. He knows that she bears the image of the mother of God and that woman is fierce and that woman brings grace to the world because she's full of grace and you and I are made to do the same. And we know it. We know it. Whatever's happening in your life right now, it is not the end of the story. And is one day with 3,500 of our closest friends gonna fix everything? No. But is it a beginning to something new? You better believe it, right? There's a beautiful quote. Eva Stein speaks about the beauty of woman um, when she, she speaks about Our Lady, and I love this. She says, The intrinsic value of woman consists in her exceptional receptivity for God's work in the soul. For an understanding of our unique feminine nature, let us look to the pure love and spiritual maternity of Mary. This spiritual maternity is the core of a woman's soul, this area where we bring people into us, we allow them to grow, we nurture them, we shelter them, and then we send them out. Wherever a woman functions authentically in the spirit of maternal pure love, Mary collaborates with her. And this holds true, Edith Stein, this holds true whether she is married or single, professional or domestic or both, or religious in the world or in the convent. Through this love, my dear sisters, through this love, a woman is God's special weapon in his fight against evil. Her intrinsic value is that she is able to do so because she has a special susceptibility for the work of God in her soul, her own, and in the souls of others. She fights evil with a spirit of love. And you see that my spiritual director is an exorcist for his diocese. And he says that Our Lady of Sorrows, especially the title of Our Lady of Sorrows, especially is the most fearsome title under which Satan trembles. Because Mary did what? She took her beauty and she brought it to the ugliest place on earth and she walked with her son and she didn't cower and she stayed with him and she brought her beauty, her comfort and her beauty and she stayed with him the entire time. She did not return evil for evil nor insult for insult. That woman stood at the foot of the cross and forgave those who were crucifying her son and she knew who her son was. And how many of us, if you've seen The Passion of the Christ... Remember the moment when she's walking with her son and he falls for the third time. And it's so poetic the way Mel Gibson did it is because he actually puts it in slow motion and you see Jesus falling and Mary's watching him fall. And as she's watching him fall, she has a memory of when he was a little boy. And in her memory, she watches him fall into the dirt and in her memory, she takes off running. And in this too, she comes to and she takes off running toward her son. But in her memory, she picks up her little boy and she places him on her heart and she comforts him. And she makes everything better. But as she runs to her son, as he is bloody on the streets, and she gets right up to his face, she's not afraid of suffering, she gets right up to his face and she puts her hand on his face. This time she can't make it go away. But she offers her heart to his. And he places his hand on her face. And in the words Mel Gibson places in the, name, in the mouth of Jesus is from the book of Revelation where he says, Mother, I make all things new. All things new. So in your journey and in my journey, God is drawing near to each one of us right now. Whatever your state of life, however old or young you are, and there's, there's something the Lord wishes to speak to you, something he wishes to impart to you. And I tell you, know, and I just mentioned to you, like in the last, you know, I've been in religious life. In the last 14 years, I've had a deeper area of a healing journey where I hit bottom like 14 years ago. And I was like, I can't go on like this. I can't go on. Lord, I, I, need, your, I need your help. I can't go on. And it began a massive, transformative, lifelong journey that has continues up until this point. And it's surprising, isn't it? These areas of poverty that we have, these areas where our hearts surprises, us, these areas, these desires that we have, the desire for communion, like we said, in beauty and love and nurturing and kindness. And we also see how that desire is lived out and how the other side where it becomes very, very broken at times. And can I just tell you, my dear sisters, whatever your symptoms are, whether it's that woman having the affair, that's a symptom. Whatever your symptoms are, whether it's anger, whether it's bitterness, whether it's coldness, whether it's loss, maybe your husband's addicted to porn, or maybe you are. Whatever that is happening up here, whether it's self-righteousness, it's always something at the bottom of the root of the tree. And I tell you this, about a year ago, I had this experience where I was, in, in, I was at this really large conference that I, I, I've been recently telling the story, but I was in this very large conference in the lobby of the Hilton and it was a lot of very, very well-known people there and I won't tell you all the details of what happened, but I was there that night and I was, you know, just the Lord had already been working in my soul and I knew God was doing something very, very deep in my soul. And so we're standing in the lobby of the Hilton and there's something happening, or we're standing in a circle and there's all these well-known people there and there's something happening in the circle that just hurts my feelings, like it's hurting my heart. And if I were to tell you what it was, you'd probably be like, yeah, that's that's kind of rude. But have you ever had that moment where you know something's happening and you're like, oh, this is big. (laughs) Like, this is big. And that's usually a telltale sign that God is speaking to something very, very deep about you because it's usually not even actually what's happening on the surface. Like we said, it's always about the root. And as I was watching this kind of situation unfold, I could feel the hurt in my heart. And I, could, I knew enough to, about myself to, I'm like, this is just more than just about what's happening right now. This is something so deep, but I couldn't put a name on it. And at the same time as I'm watching the situation unfold, I can feel like this anxiety rise. Have you ever had this anxiety rise in the pit of your stomach? And I could feel my whole body tense up and I could feel tears starting to come to my eyes. I'm like, oh no, I can't do this right now. Like, we can't have a meltdown in the lobby of the Hilton right now. Like, I can't do this. (laughs) Like, I can't do this. And I'm fighting back tears and I'm asking the Holy Spirit, okay, I I just, I'm like, okay, Holy Spirit, what's happening? What's happening? What's happening? What's happening right now? And in that moment, I wasn't 42 years old anymore in the Hilton lobby. In that moment, I was 13 years old in middle school because something happened to me that was exactly the same thing when I was 13 years old in middle school. And when I was 13 years old, I was skinny and I had braces and all the boys picked on me. And I was also just recently coming out of sexual abuse. I hadn't told anybody. I'd already started drinking. My life was a disaster. And at that moment, I just excused myself and I said, can you, I just, um, I'll be back. See you tomorrow. (laughs) And I went upstairs into my room and I curled up in a little ball and I just cried my heart out. And that night, Jesus said something to me. He said, my bride, what happened to you at 13 matters to me. And I see your broken heart. And I love you so much that I set up that whole situation in the lobby of the Hilton. (laughs) Right? So that I could talk to you when you were 13 because your heart is broken and you're just so beautiful. Beautiful. Would you let me come and heal you there? And I've spent a lot of time with that 13-year-old girl the last year. <laughs> and she's kind of inconvenient sometimes. <laughs> and I'm learning how to love her because she's part of my story. And you see, the thing is, is that many times we look at our life and we say, well, if this wouldn't have happened to me and this wouldn't have happened to me, I'd be better now. And that's actually false. That's an illusion. That's from Satan. <laughs> The truth is, is that every single thing that's ever happened to us, even the decisions that we've made, the sins that we've committed, nothing in the economy of salvation is ever wasted. It's never lost. So what in your journey right now does Jesus need to attend to? Okay. Because he's going to come literally on the altar. Just like with the woman who is hemorrhaging, Jesus is going to walk among us today. And he's the one that we've heard about all day today. He's the one who can can actually do something about what we're talking about. (laughs) He's the one who draws near to us. He's the one who hears our cries. He's the one, as St. Augustine said, God is more intimate to me than I am to myself. So what is it for you today? Is it a shame that you feel about your body? All of us, you know, if if you stand in the mirror and you look in the mirror, very few of us stand in the mirror naked and be like, behold, the wonderful work of God. You know, like we don't usually, we don't usually do that. Okay. It's true, but we don't usually do that, okay? Because what? Because a lot of us have shame about certain parts of our body or certain things that people have said about parts of our body, right? Is it part of your story? Is it something that you hear that your mom would say to you as a little girl? Something that your mom still says to you now? Is it your marriage? Is it a relationship? What, 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 is, what is that for you? Okay. So what I'd like to do is I'm just going to, if you'd like to come with me, I'm just going to lead you into a bit of a meditation with Jesus, okay? So I'm just going to ask you to put down anything you have in your hands, right? And you're most welcome to come along if you want, if you don't want to. You certainly don't have to, but you're welcome just to intercede for us. But as Father Jacques Philippe says, it's only intimacy with God that heals the hardness of the human heart. And I know that for all of us today, myself included, there's places that Jesus very tenderly desires to draw near to. Okay. So I'm take a deep breath. Okay, all the way in. All the way up.
0: You're listening to St. Gabriel Catholic Radio's live coverage of the 2020 Columbus Catholic Women's Conference on WVSG Columbus and WSGR New Boston Portsmouth.
1: And it, it could be your favorite place. And it can be in the countryside. It could be in the city. Maybe along a lake or a beach. Maybe you love the fall or you love the summer. Whatever that is for you, just your favorite place. I just want to invite you just to imagine yourself walking. And as you walk, I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit right now. So let's just let the Holy Spirit bring to mind whatever. So Holy Spirit, I just ask right now for each one of us. What is the one thing you want to talk to us about today? Maybe it's part of our body. Maybe it's a fear that we have of being a woman. Maybe it's a memory from the past. Maybe it's areas of deep unforgiveness. Maybe it's a current relationship or a hard time forgiving ourselves. Or maybe you're just angry with God. But I just ask you, Holy Spirit, right now, that for each one of us, that you would just gently bring to mind what is the one area that you want to talk to us about today? just going to invite you not to self-censor okay just so let that come to the surface and if that, as that comes to mind even if it might be unpleasant or difficult i just want to invite you just to just continue walking and just ponder that what's what's the story what's about that what is the story around why that's so painful Just to allow the whole story to unfold as you walk along. Maybe it's a recent argument you had with somebody. What happened? What's the story? And what does that feel like in your body as you? walk along, sometimes we feel maybe heavy of heart or feels deep in our stomach. Maybe you feel tension in your shoulders. What is it? What is that like for you just to notice where your body holds that pain or holds that sorrow? Just continue walking. And as you walk along, you hear Somebody coming up from behind you. And as you look over your shoulder, you see that it's Jesus himself. And his face is one of immense kindness. Immense kindness. it's okay with you he's just going to walk with you in silence so if you just keep walking he's just going to walk right next to you and just notice how attentive his presence is as he cares so deeply for you what is that like to walk side by side with the Lord as you ponder this area in your heart And I'm just going to invite you now, as Jesus literally comes into this room, I'm just going to invite you to bring to the Lord right now what is on your heart. I'm just going to invite you to tell him the whole story and allow him to speak to the deepest parts of you. I'm going to ask you to please kneel. Kneel. just to allow the one who loves you to speak to these very deep places. He's going to come and he's going to gaze upon us. And he's going to very tenderly take these deep places into his own sacred heart.